0: You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders. For that moment in your career when the buck stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders. I'm your host, James Nagel, and my guest today is Ramon Meert. On LinkedIn, he styles himself as passionate about people, business, and change management. So, so far, so generic. But when you talk to people that have worked with him, he is anything but generic. It's all about energy, fighting for his business and his team, succeeding, and humor. And on top of that, he finds the time to mentor many in his network. Ramon has moved internationally 12 times in 22 years. And that was written five years ago. In his latest incarnation, he is on the executive board of Byersdorf, the Nivea company, based in Dubai. As you'd expect, he's a straight talker. So strap yourselves in. It's my pleasure to introduce Ramon Mirt. Hi, Ramon. Hey, James. How are you? Very good. So I suppose for the benefit of the audience, we never actually coincided. You know, when I was in Europe, you were in Latin America and vice versa. But we reconnected maybe a year or two ago when you had written a tribute piece to our old CEO, Bart Beck, on LinkedIn. And, you know, I'm a bit sentimental and I was really touched by the fact that you had made the effort to write that. So when they write your tribute, Ramon, what do you think they're going to say about you?
1: First of all, I think that Bart is is one of my business heroes. I think he's really, you know, somebody who has managed to, deliver outstanding performance, yet care for people and, and care for the community. In terms of when it comes to to, to my tombstone, uh, I think that probably is, you know, that I, I care for my business and I care for my people. Uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about winning in business and delivering performance, but I'm also very passionate about, you know, developing people. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I have the privilege of being in a position that I can actually interact with people and touch people's life and touch people's uh, careers. And that's, uh, that's really very motivating for me.
0: And after so many moves, what keeps you going at this stage?
1: I think, that's yes, you know, when you look at it from the business angle, you know, the beauty of working in a, in, a, in a business is that there's always a new goal that you can actually strive for. There's always something that you can do better next time. I think from a business point of view, you know, competing in the marketplace and winning in the marketplace, at least for somebody like me, is an extreme motivator. That being said, also, as I said before, you know, interacting with people, I get my energy by actually, you know, working with people and meeting people and, you know, sharing ideas. So I think it's, you know, the the big motivator is one, uh, a passion to to be able to compete and win, but also importantly, to be able to to work with people.
0: In your current role, you're a leader of leaders, and, and when we had our pre-chat, you said something that I really liked, is that when you promote people, you're making them incompetent, right? There's that phase where they start in the role and they're not, they're not yet there. So maybe to talk about your own experience first, how did you cope in those moments when you weren't competent?
1: I tend to describe myself as what they call an insecure overachiever, and it's basically You know, this drive that you have from within that you want to do better and you want to outperform. Uh, And sometimes, at least in my case, does not come from a place of, you know, outright uh, Uber securities because I'm deep inside that was always very insecure. So in my own personal case, it was much more about trying to make it very fast. It took me a long time to realize that, you know, it is much more about the journey not about, you know, getting to the muscles. So I, if I look back, probably uh, that's something that I could have done better as a, as a young leader, which is actually to value much more the journey and, the, and going through the process.
0: You, you, of course, like everyone else, has had their tough times. In those moments, what support did you reach out for? What was your uh, life belt?
1: I think that first you have to put things in perspective. You, know? you go through challenges and you know, every challenge is an opportunity to learn and get better. And when you do face, you know, uh, tough challenges, one, one thing to do is to, you know, go back to your support system. Um, if you have mentors, your team, your managers, and try to find a way of, you know, taking a stock, reflect, and move on.
0: What were the, the moments of wisdom or gems that they gave you that, that, that gave you that energy to keep going?
1: I think it's also all about perspective, no? Sometimes you need to have the, the ability to pause, to stop and reevaluate and reassess.
0: Now, what I know about you, it's high pace, high energy. and How natural was it for you to do that pause, that reflection?
1: I also think it's about a little bit of a, you know self-reflection and, and about understanding who you really are, who you want to be. And that also gives you a little bit of the perspective of, you know why are you doing what you're doing and why you want to be a leader? And the answer to those questions are... It, in my opinion, in many cases, not only the one that you see from the, are you performing in the market? But also, you know, do you find your true self as a leader? Do you have a voice as a leader? And are you able to connect with people?
0: And when would you say that the answers to those big questions came together for you? Was that when you were 30, 40, or or more recently?
1: So I don't think that it was one big aha moment in itself. It was more like about a journey. I never thought about that, but maybe I can break my career into three-thirds, you know, you have one-third, which basically is basically are racing to demonstrate. Second part is about establishing yourself, understanding yourself, understanding who you really are, and understanding the impact you have on people and you, the impact your leadership has on people. And then probably the third part is basically, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, how to build a legacy and how to, to, to really have a meaningful impact on, on an organization.
0: And something I was struck when I looked at your LinkedIn profile is the number of people that you, that you mentor, and maybe I can, I can suppose that you've learned a lot actually from that, you know, obviously you give up your time, but when you mentor other people, you get a lot back.
1: It's super gratifying. I mean, it's really super, super gratifying, especially because, you know, the, I've been super lucky in working in an organization that people have so much potential. And, uh, you know, you find, you know, um, great people with great talent, but they also need some guidance and they need some support and the key question is how do you manage to to provide a support system and how do you help them grow without doing it for them or also without actually you know being overbearing on them uh, and i think that that's for me is a, is a, in terms of building those human connections and actually working with people um, i think it's for me super exciting it comes down to being able to to provide guidance and advice and counseling but also how to see people that can actually grow and develop themselves how can they actually you know maximize their potentials
0: now, i've mentioned already that when you promote someone to general management you're making them incompetent hopefully only temporarily so in your role where you've got a very big team spread out all over the globe how do you see your role in making them competent again because clearly, you've got to deliver numbers. You've got hard objectives. But given all that sort of experience you have and reflection you've made, how do you see your role? So
1: maybe let me break the answer into two. First is how you select the person, you know, because it's also goes about who are the person that you you know who is the people that you choose to become first time GMs or first time leaders. And I think it's you know what, you know they probably you know a few attributes that you will look into that. For me, the, the the key things that I look for is, you know, is this person agile? Uh, you know, agility in the means of, you know, can this person learn from new things? Do they have emotional intelligence? Do they have the ability to 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 read the environment and make decisions which are fast but actually accurate? So one is agility. Do you have agility? And second is, you know, do you really deliver performance you know, and, and sustain performance? I think when you're trying to appoint somebody to be a general manager to to a business, you're looking for somebody who can learn on the fly, who is able to 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 empathize, um, you know, who is intellectually competent to actually learn new things, uh, but also somebody who can deliver performance, get the stuff done. That's for me. It's probably two of the top things, and the, for me, the third thing is is you know, can this person be a role model? I mean, does this person has the values? and the and the character to 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 work in an organization and speak for himself and also for the company so you know they have the values the, can they actually you know be part of the of the values of the company and be that voice of the company the first thing that I, that I think people should do when you're going to a new gm role is you need to change your focus you're not going to be a great gm by focusing on only your strength. you'll be a great gm if you can also learn of uh, you know what really makes a good gm It's not only one function, it's not only one type of people. It's about diversity and it's about ability to manage the the complexity of a a multifunctional team. The second thing is is you need to be able to to listen and learn. And that goes with the agility that I mentioned before. You know, you get into a new job, uh, you need to be able to to hear what people have to say and learn to be able to form your own opinions. I think that the, the third point is important, as you know, is, is about being able to be humble. You know, can you actually, you know, learning, uh, it's important, but being able to learn from a position of having humility, is something that I need to, to exercise going forward. I think it's important for a new GM, um, because also that, that comes to the next point that I think is, is critical is, you know, are they able to to build trust with people? You know, and I think that, as as you become a new general manager and as you become a a young leader, is can people really trust you? For me, that trust usually comes from a place of, from a very basic instinct, you know, is this a person that I can actually work with every day and can he be my leader and can he represent my interests? And then the other point, which I think is, you know, going into more uh, uh, performance management is, you know, are you able to put together uh, a concrete plan I think as you come in, into any job, certainly into a new GM job, is you know, I think it's, it's, it comes down to at the end of the day and you lead the organization to deliver
0: that all makes sense. The then reality intervenes, you know, you don't always get to choose your team. As you say, you don't you can't always go back to the selection phase and, and, and select the characters you want. So when you when you go for a country review, let's make it very concrete, when you go for a country review. And things are not as you like, you know, the person's not up to where you expect them to be. What relationship do you seek to have? Because you've got to balance the business reality versus maybe your, your personal relationship with them. So how, how do you handle those difficult conversations?
1: For me, it's about, you know, when to support and when to challenge. No? I mean, uh, or to use your team is, you know, how to make sure that people actually swim and do not sink. Where do you find that balance between challenge? Because at the end of the day, you know, if you know, I, I am a big believer on constructive friction and constructive conflict, you know, as a way of bringing the best out of performance with people. Mm-hmm. I think that that's an important uh, element of you. If you really believe in performance management, and if you really believe in in a, in a outperforming the market, you know, at one point you have to have a clarity on you know how do we win, you know, how do we go and get things done. Um, so I think it, it's uh, you know. Our role is to challenge, and our role is to to provide resources. To um, so to so, and to have that conversation sometimes comes down to you know okay how do we do it better and how do we get our objective uh, delivered in, in the best way possible. So I think one one way of uh, of uh, having that uh, engagement is you know when you go into a into a review or when you when you work with with someone is we have objective we have a performance system and how do we actually go and get deliver stuff and that's for me is is a challenging part. Okay? But then it is also important to deliver, to deliver support. Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, if we talk about uh, country GMs, it is a very lonely job. When you work as a functional leader, you have a lot of peers that you can talk to. When you become a GM in a country, it's a little bit lonelier because at the end of the day, everybody's looking at you for an answer. So I think that the, the, the reality is our job is, is to just yes, challenge and, uh, and talk business. Uh, but also provide support and provide uh, uh, you know the the time to pause and listen and uh, and understand. And the trick is how you do these two things at the same time.
0: And how you do it in your role when you've got one day to make the intervention and then the next day you're flying somewhere else. so you've got <laughs> you've got very limited time to to diagnose and then to support.
1: Yeah, but in that case, but you know I believe, believe very much in the system that you have to have an agreement. When you have a, a, a people working in countries, also your role is about learning when to step in and when to step out. I think part of that process is, you know, how do you provide a framework that you agree on an objective and you agree what needs to happen, and then you have to, you know, give them the space to go and execute that. You know, how I do this myself is, you know, the reason why I try to go to the markets three or four times a year is because, yes, you come in, you review, you understand, you give feedback, but then you step out and you give them the space for them to act. And they have to have a framework to operate on that. And I'm a big believer of both giving freedom, but also giving clarity of the mission.
0: So then that maybe leads on to the question which I asked to all guests, which is sort of sink or swim uh, as a philosophy for you, and how your attitude to it maybe has changed over over your career.
1: I think before it was more like a binary. Today is about building that trust and that confidence, and you know. I empower you to do things. I believe that the, the big difference is going from a 100% performance management culture into a, a mix of performance, but also purpose. And then if people have a clear purpose and they have the tools and you give them the, the, the safety network, I think they're able to swim.
0: Well, I think the means by which you try and achieve the swim is is empowerment. The question that I would have is, are all the people you deal with willing to take that responsibility and autonomy on? Because you can offer it, but it's, it's also their willingness to take it on because it's both their risk and responsibility.
1: And I agree with that. You know, it takes two to tango. You know, you need to, be, you need to give the trust and you give, need to give empowerment. You need to, to establish a relationship whereby you actually agree on what you need to do, but then people have to deliver. And then uh, uh, and the magic happens when you get together and you find a way to balance uh performance with purpose
0: now that you know that coaching exists for this type of area for first-time general managers wh- what's your view
1: oh i'm a big believer of uh you know of the importance of both mentoring and coaching it really opens your world to to be able to to look at things from a different perspective and what coaching does actually is allows people to actually broaden their perspective see different options and then they can make their own decisions Mentoring is super important because it's the, it's the ability to talk to, to somebody who has the experience and the expertise that can give you some guidance. It's a win-win situation. The, the mentee actually has the ability to tap on somebody who has experience, and the mentor has the ability to refresh you know, his, his perspective of life and perspective of business. So I, I'm a big believer of mentoring. And I think a coaching as a, as a, as a skill builder is a, is a great opportunity because it helps open people's brain it really opens the way you look at things. And I think it forces you to stop uh, and, uh, and look at things from a perspective of, you know how can I do things differently? Why should I keep doing? Why should I stop doing? And why should I start doing? And I think those conversations are super useful.
0: Yeah, and if I can just add one on top of that, it's why you need to change, because <laughs> sticking to what's worked in the past uh, isn't a good formula in my experience.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I agree with that. But I think the why people need to find out by themselves. I mean, you, you can get the support, but the, the reason why you need to come yourself to that conclusion. So yeah, coaching helps, mentoring helps, but it's also a very uh, personal exercise that people have to be willing to embrace.
0: So look, we've covered a lot of ground there. As we come to the end, is there any sort of last nugget or closing advice that maybe you haven't covered yet that, you, that you'd like to get across?
1: For, for all these uh, young leaders or new GMs etc I think that's you know is the mindset shift from being a functional leader or a, or a team leader into a being a, a, an enterprise leader you know you need to be aware of the differences of being a GM versus being you know a functional leader for, for instance and then once you're aware of that is what is it that you're going to do about it how do you actually go and learn uh to relate to people who probably have a different ways of thinking of working than you. How do you know how to, you know, uh, talk to the organization in a way that everybody understands regardless of the layers. And and, and I think it's, you know, important is how do you actually listen and learn? I, mean, I think as you know, leaders sometimes think that it's about talking. I think leaders need to understand that it's also about listening and, and reflecting and being able to to learn from that.
0: That's great parting advice. Okay. Thanks a lot for your time, Ramon. Thank you, James. Pleasure to talk to you. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsync.com forward slash podcast.